Thank you for listening to Servants for Christ. In all that we do, in all that we say, we want to give glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning us in as we get into the wonderful Word of God. For the next few minutes, let's take the beautiful Word of God and share it with each and every one of you as we have a sense of anticipation to take the Word of God and to listen to its truth for each and every one. Ezekiel chapter 20, a new heart, new spirit. This is again the 16th series, part two. As we look down at verse 27 and go all the way down to verse 49 uh, of the reading of the Word of God for this second part uh, that we will come into. And hope and pray that as each and every one of us, as we look and begin to realize that uh, all of us, when we talk about Last time, uh, we talked about uh, how that uh, some of the things of of being able to speak of how that rebellion comes into our lives today because we look and we realize that rebellion is one of those things that will really mess us up. As uh, we look back, we talked last time about three lessons from Israel's history of rebellion. We talked about a lesson drawn from Israel's rebellious leaders, that sin separates a person from God and it causes unanswered prayer in verses 1 through 4. In verses 5 through 9, we saw a lesson drawn from the Exodus. Idolatry keeps a person from turning to the Lord and entering the promised land. And then, the last thing that we talked about in verses 10 down to verse 26, a lesson drawn from Mount Sinai and the desert wanderings, disobeying God's word, it dooms a person. Here uh, tonight, we see New Heart, New Spirit, the 16th, part two. Four more lessons from Israel's history of rebellion from verse 27 down to verse 49. Uh, we're going to see a lesson drawn from the cycle of rebellion in the promised land. In verses 27 through 29, a lesson drawn from Ezekiel's generation in verse 30 down to verse 32. A lesson drawn from God's promise to Israel in verses 33 to 44. And then a lesson drawn from God's judgment of Israel in verse 45 down to verse 49. Now, again, we're talking about a national responsibility uh, that as we look at uh, the nation of Israel, amen, and here as we pick back up at verse 27, uh, that uh, we realize that uh, God is wanting uh, to teach us a great lesson. And so here we see in verse 27 that they're rebellion in the land of promise because in verse 27, we pick back up with the word of God. Father, I ask your blessing upon the reading of the word of God. All that we say, all that we do, may you receive all the glory and the honor. May this be something that as we do our Bible study in uh, Ezekiel 20, it'll be something that's very simple for your church, your family to look at and to apply their heart and lives to this lesson in Jesus' marvelous mighty name. Amen. We see, first of all, in A New Heart, New Spirit, uh, the 16th series, part two, 
and verses 27 down to verse 49, their rebellion in the land of promise. In verse 27, it says, Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, and in that day they have committed a trespass against me. Verse 28, For when I had brought them into the land for the which I lifted up my hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered their, their sacrifices, and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their sweet savor and poured out their drink offerings. In verse 29, Then I said to them, What is the high place whereunto ye go? And the name thereof is called Bema unto this day. Now what is he talking about? He said, Mortal man, tell the Israelites what I, the sovereign Lord am saying to them. Other words, another way that their ancestors insulted me was by their unfaithfulness was what he was talking about in verse 27. Because he said in verse 28, he said, you know what? I brought them to the land I had promised to give them. And when they saw all of the high hills and the green trees, they offered sacrifices at all of them. And they made me angry by the sacrifices they burned and by the wine that they brought as offerings. And then he said in verse 29, I asked them, what are these high places where you go? So they have been called high places ever since. So we see, first of all, uh, uh, in, uh, a lesson drawn from the cycle of rebellion in the promised land. And in verse 27, 28, and 29, it talks about forsaking God and turning to idols that lead to condemnation. Here in this uh, fourth lesson that's drawn from the years Israel spent conquering the promised land, it is forsaking the Lord and turning to idols that leads to condemnation. And so, in verses 27 and 28, Israel's idolatry in the promised land that we see Joshua brought the people into Canaan. He led them in the defeat of the enemy and the claiming of the land. Before he died, he directed and, and the assigning of the land to the various tribes, and he encouraged them to claim their land. Moses had commanded the people to wipe out the godless religion of the inhabitants of the land in Exodus chapter 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he warned them that if they failed to obey, their children would become idols. They would lose the promised land. And that's exactly what happened. The people lusted after the gods of the land, participated in all the filthy rites of the heathen worship in the high places, according to Ezekiel uh, chapter 20, verses 28-29, Deuteronomy chapter 18, Leviticus chapter 18. And instead of winning the Canaanites to faith in the true and living God, the Jewish people began to live like their enemies and worship their gods, and they even offered their children as sacrifices to the pagan gods. Boy, I'm going to tell you, which was... Uh, something that was expressly forbidden. Uh, that was uh, to do uh, in the law of Moses, according to Second Kings chapter twenty-one and Second Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, Leviticus chapter eighteen, Deuteronomy chapter twelve, and Deuteronomy chapter eighteen. Children are a gift from God, and His precious gifts must not be used as heathen sacrifices. And so God raised up Joshua to lead Israel in the conquest of the promised land. And during these years, the Lord warned the people time and again that if they failed to obey his holy commandments, they would lose their inheritance in the land. 
Sadly, the people once again disobeyed. They forsook the Lord and blasphemed the holy name, and they followed the pattern of disobedience, and their fathers had established it. And, and uh, they continually committed gross idolatry and engaged in false worship at the high places. In verses 29 down to verse 32, God refused to speak to Israel that will, that, that will not listen to him. And the high places were the most significant sites of idolatry, the hills and the mountains where the people built altar after altar for their false worship in verse 29. And they deserve God's condemnation. You know, if we forsake God, and we turn to idols, we'll also face God's condemnation. Keep in mind that an idol is anything that we put before God. This could be family. This could be our work. This could be our pleasure. This could be our wealth and our finances, our houses, our lands, our possessions, or anything else. Whatever we put before the Lord becomes our first interest and first concern, and we give it our first attention. And it makes it an adulterous thing because our loyalty and our devotion and our allegiance must belong to God first and furthermost. Most people give God just very little thought. If they would just consider him at all, he appears in the third or the fourth or even some lower place in our lives, but God totally rejects idolatry as the creator and as the sovereign Lord of life. The Lord expects first place in his life that we give unto him. He expects us to acknowledge him as the only living and true God, and he expects us to worship and obey him. And so the Lord will condemn anyone who forsakes him and turns to the idols, amen. And so that we see that he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And so we see in verses 30, 31, and verse 32, they're rebellion in the land of promise because we read in verse 30, Wherefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers and commit ye whoredom after their abominations? In verse 31, for when ye offer your gifts, when you make your sons to pass through the fire, ye pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. In verse 32, And that which cometh into your mind shall not be at all, that ye say we will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries, to serve wood and stone. And so, that's the reading of verse 27 all the way down to verse 32. So what is he talking about? He tells the Israelites what I'm saying. Why must you commit the same sins that your ancestors did and you go running after their idols? Even today, you offer the same gifts and you defile yourselves with the same idols by sacrificing your children to them in the fire and then your, you Israelites still come to ask what my will is. You know, as surely as I, the sovereign Lord, am the living God, I will not let you ask me anything. Goes back to the very first four, uh, few verses in the beginning. And he tells us that you've made up your minds that you want to be like the other nations, like the people who live in the other countries and worship trees and rocks, but that will never be. And so we see the second lesson. The first one was in verses 27, 28, 29, a lesson drawn from the cycle of rebellion in the promised land. Forsaking God and turning to the idols lead to condemnation. 
but we see a second lesson drawn from Ezekiel's generation following evil examples that will lead to judgment in verses 30, 31, and 32. Here, this lesson is that imitating or following the example of the wicked that leads to judgment. Through Ezekiel, God gave the present generation three warnings against imitating or following the example of the wicked. First of all, in verses 31 and 32, Israel was in exile in Babylon. And so they were living just like their fathers, even unto this day. They were sinning against the Lord, ignoring the privilege of God's special people. Their fathers wanted to be like the pagan nations in their worship and in their leadership. And so the first uh, we present the, gen- the, the present generation must not Im- imitate the behavior of the sinful parents, following the example of the sinful parents that would lead to defilement in verses 30 and 31. Their parents had corrupted themselves through false worship, even to the point of uh, offering their children as sacrifices to false gods, and the present generation would reject such a horrible, detestable evil. Secondly, the present generation must not imitate the wicked ways of their neighbors in verse 31. Following the example of their wicked neighbors would separate them from God, and once that happened, their prayers would go unanswered, and the Lord would not answer their prayers and request for help. And third, the present generation would not imitate unbelievers and false worshipers. In verse 32, following the example of unbelievers and false worshipers would arouse God's opposition. The people's desire for the things of the world would go unfulfilled and their desires would never be fulfilled and their lusts would never be satisfied. And a sense of emptiness, unfulfillment, incompletion, and even loneliness would grip the souls of those who sought the things of this world instead of God. God's condemnation and judgment would rest upon them, imitating sinners, following the example of the wicked. And so Matthew 23, verses 2 and 3, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. You know what? Here we see that Paul said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, uh, as uh, each and every one of us, when we look and realize that uh, the Bible says in 2 Kings seventeen fifteen, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them, and they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And so, and move on down to verses 33 and 34. He promises to gather them by the gospel. In verse 33 of Ezekiel 20, As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out, will I rule over you? In verse 34, And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. And verse 36, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. In verse 37, and I will cause you to pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. In verse 38, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that tress, uh, transgress against me, and I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 39, As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, go ye, serve ye, every one his idol, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me, but pollute me, pollute me my holy name, no more with your gifts, 
with your idols. In verse 40, For in mine holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require your offering and the first fruits of your oblations with all your holy things. In verse 41, I will accept you with your sweet Savior when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. In verse 42, And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I have lifted up my hand to give it to your fathers. In verse 43, There shall ye remember your ways and all your doings wherein ye have been defiled, and ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. In verse 44, And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have brought you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings. O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord God. And so, you know what he's saying? He said, I'm going to bring you into the desert of the nations. I'm going to condemn you to your face. I'm going to condemn you just as you condemn your ancestors to the Sinai Desert. And I'm going to confirm control and make you obey my covenant. I'm going to take away from all among you those that are rebellious and sinful. And I will take them out of the lands where they're living. And I'm going to not let them return to the land of Israel. And I know then that they will know that I am the Lord God, a sovereign Lord. And there in the land on my holy mountain, the high mountain of Israel, all you people of Israel will worship me. And I'll be pleased with you and expect you to bring me the sacrifices of your best offerings and your holy gifts. And I will bring you back to Israel, a land that I promised I'll give you ancestors. And then you'll know that I'm the Lord. And then you will remember all the disgraceful things that you did and how you defiled yourselves. You'll be disgusted with yourselves because of all the evil things you did. And Ezekiel goes on to tell him, And when I act to protect my honor, you Israelites will know that I'm the Lord because I do not deal with you as your wicked, evil actions deserve but the sovereign Lord has spoken. And so we see that uh, in verses 33 down to verse 44, a lesson drawn from God's promise to Israel that God saves and restores true believers to the promised land, which is a symbol of heaven. Here we see this sixth lesson that's drawn from God's promise to Israel is that the Lord will save and restore true believers to the promised land. It's a symbol of heaven. God's power to save and restore true believers is clearly seen in the scriptures and God's mercy to disobedient Israel in the promised land. Here, God's strong promise of a restoration in verses 33 down to verse 36. Ezekiel had made it very clear to the elders why they weren't qualified. And so, each and every one of us, the Lord will rule over the Israelites in verses 33 to 34. Although they sought to imitate the wicked, the unbelievers, and the false worshipers of the world, the Lord would never allow all of them to turn totally away from him. By his mighty hand and power, he would execute judgment against them, stop them from totally destroying themselves. Through his hand of judgment, the Lord would arouse some of them uh, uh, through uh, uh, sincere repentance and cry out to him for help. And although they would be conquered by the nations, he had appointed as uh, his agents of judgment, God would have mercy upon those who truly repented and he would bring them back from their exile. You know what? No matter what it took, God would use his mighty power to rule over the Israelites and to fulfill his promise uh, to them. And, and so, uh, each and every one of us, as we look and realize that uh, uh, God would continue to judge and discipline his people as long as they continue to repeat their pattern of wickedness and idolatry in verses thirty. 
5 all the way down to verse 37. No matter how often that he returned them to the promised land, if enough of them reverted to uh, uh, their sinful ways, he would he would once again suffer his hand of judgment and he would again exile them into the wilderness of the nations. And so God promises correction and covenant in verses 37 and 38. As God judged the ancestors and the wilderness wanderings, he would judge any generation who forsook him and turned to false worship because of his rod of discipline would strike them in verse 37. To reestablish his covenant with them, God would make sure that the terms of his covenant agreement with Israel were fulfilled. And uh, therefore, it must refer to the new covenant that God would establish with Israel in the messianic kingdom, praise God. In that day, the Lord will remove all that rebel against him. In verse 38, he would remove all that truly repent of their sins from the land of their exile and return them to the promised land. And he would also remove all the rebels from the land of exile. He would not allow them to live in the kingdom of God that Christ would establish upon earth. Instead, he will judge them, banish them from his eternal kingdom. And in that day, everyone will know the Lord is the only living and true God. Both his name is Holy Word and with all its warnings and promises that would be vindicated. Then in verse 39, we see a challenge to choose Yahweh or the idols. Until the Lord would allow anyone to reject him and commit adultery, God will not violate uh, people's free will by forcing them to trust and serve him. All the people that want to reject God and give their hearts to idols can do so, but God issued two strong warnings to those who rebelled against him. They must stop being hypocritical by switching back and forth between worshiping him and idols, and they must stop desecrating his holy name by worshiping both him and their idols. The people had to make a choice. They must follow either the Lord or their idols. The Lord will not accept a double allegiance. He demands a person's primary loyalty, a person's whole heart, and a person must make a deliberate choice to believe and to follow him. In verses 40 down to verse 44, choosing to believe and follow God is a very critical thing for the day is coming when God will bring all the true believers of Israel back to the promised land. And here it takes place for six reasons. In verses 40 down to verse 41, he gathered them properly to worship God. The Lord will restore the Israelites so that they can serve and worship him. In verse 40, and so the glorious day of the messianic kingdom, the Lord will accept their worship and they will truly believe in the Lord and bring him their offerings, their gifts, and their sacrifices. In verse 41, the Lord will restore the Israelites so that he can accept them as a sweet, pleasing aroma, fulfilling the covenant and the promises that he gave to Abraham and his descendants of all true believers that will please the Lord beyond imagining. And it was for the joy of the glorious day of the eternal redemption that Jesus bore the sufferings on the cross, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. In verse 41, the Lord will restore the Israelites so that he can demonstrate his holiness in them before all nations. And in the glorious day of the uh, the Messiah's kingdom, all the nations will know the special covenant relationship that exists between God and Israel. In verse 42, the Lord will restore the Israelites so that they will know that he alone is God. You know, when the Israelites inherit the promised land, when they live in that security and the prosperity that God promised they will know beyond all question that the Lord is the only true and living God. When we get down to verse 43, the Lord will restore the Israelites so that they will remember their sinful behavior, humble themselves, and despise all the evil that they have done against him. And then on verses 42 down to verse 44, God revealed in his restoration and his mercy. In verse 44, the Lord will restore the Israelites so that 
they will know that he alone is the Lord of love, mercy, and forgiveness. God gave the wonderful promise of salvation and restoration to the Israelites, but God also gives us the wonderful promise of salvation of a fruitful and a glorious land and the promised land of heaven. And so the Lord will save all of us who truly believe in him, and he will give us a wonderful assurance of heaven. Praise God. And so we go down and we look and we realize that in verses 45 down to verse 49, the parable of a forest, God shows the destruction of Jerusalem. In verse 45, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the south, drop thy word toward the south, and prophesy against the forest of the south field. In verse 47, And say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour every green tree in thee, and every dry tree, the flaming flame, shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be burned therein. In verse 48, And all flesh shall flee, that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Lastly, in verse 49 of Ezekiel 20, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, they say of me, Doeth he not speak parables? And so the Lord spoke to Ezekiel, and he said, Mortal man, look towards the south, speak against the south, Prophesy against the forest of the south and tell the southern forest to hear what the sovereign Lord is saying. That I'm starting a fire. I'm going to burn up every tree. Whether it's green or dry, nothing will be able to be put out. It will spread from south to north and everyone will feel the heat of my flames. And they will all see that I, the Lord, set it on fire and that no one can put it out. But I protest the sovereign Lord that I make me do it. That everyone is already complaining that I always speak in riddles. And so we see the last lesson, a lesson drawn from God's judgment of Israel, that unbelief condemns a person in verses 45, 46, 47, 48, and 49. Here, the judgment on the forest of the south that we begin to look and we see the prophet made two pronouncements to the leaders who sat before him. The judgment would come from the Lord God himself. The sovereign Lord rules. He controls all events of earth in verse 47. God's fire of judgment would consume the nation of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem. And the flame of his judgment would not be quenched. From south to north, the entire nation would be scorched. History substantiated this prophecy. Soon after Ezekiel gave the prophecy, Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. And the entire city was burned and its walls were torn down. And Ezekiel proclaimed the Lord's purpose for executing judgment in such a way as this. The all-consuming fire would show everyone that the Lord himself had kindled it in verse 48. Everyone who knew about the prophecy... They clearly understood that God had literally fulfilled his word. And so, in verse 49, judgment like a forest fire, the prophet's complaint, the tragic fact that despite Ezekiel's warning, the leaders and the exiles still chose not, can you believe, to believe the message of the coming judgment. They either claimed not to understand the message or they refused to take it seriously. They continued to walk in unbelief, rejecting the Lord and his holy word. Tragically, most people reject the Lord. Despite all the warnings and the promises of God's holy word, most people still refuse to believe him and his word. And to their minds, God may or may not exist. They think that if he does not exist, that he would never reject them. Few people really think they are so bad that God would reject them. But most of us think that we're good enough and that we do enough good works to be acceptable to God. 
I don't care what you do. You can never earn your salvation. You can never work your way into heaven. We think that over the years we have done good enough works to secure that favor. But this is not the teaching of God's holy word. God accepts or rejects us based upon our belief or unbelief. And in no uncertain terms, God condemns all people who do not truly believe and follow him with all of their whole heart. And so today people find it hard that, uh, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 8.24, I said therefore unto you, that ye shall abide, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. John 16, verses 8 and 9. And when he has come, he that is the Holy Spirit will reprove the world's sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Each and every one of us, we realize that uh, the prophet assumed a posture of stern judgment as he announced uh, a judgment was about to fall against the south and Judah, the Jerusalem, were the territory south Babylon. The image of a forest fire that he described the invasion of the Babylons and the destruction of the Jewish nation itself. During Israel's wondrous wilderness wanderings, God didn't severely punish his people for the rebellion because he wanted to honor his name before the Gentiles. But now he would honor his name by burning their city and temple and sending them into exile. Father, thank you for giving us the word of Exodus chapter 20 for the judgment that was coming upon us. And Father, that what transpired uh, un, uh, to us, Father, that we begin to realize that out of all of these things, Lord, that took place, Father, that you let us see that, God, that you know exactly the lessons that we needed to learn uh, as we look at this uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, Father, that, God, that you would show us uh, each and every one of the lessons, and that is a lesson of a new heart and a new spirit, a lesson drawn from Israel's rebellious leaders that sin separates a person from God and causes unanswered prayer, a lesson drawn from the Exodus, a lesson drawn from Mount Sinai and the desert wanderings, a lesson drawn from the cycle of rebellion in the promised land, forsaking God, turning to idols that lead to condemnation, and a lesson drawn from Ezekiel's generation that evil examples will lead to judgment. A lesson drawn from God's promise to Israel. Get God saves. He restores true believers to the promised land. And then lastly, a lesson that's drawn from God's judgment of Israel. That unbelief condemns a person. Father, thank you for letting us have this privilege to take the wonderful word of God. And Lord, to sow it unto uh, your people uh, that are uh, the born again, the only hope for the future and for the world is for the church, the local assembly, the born again, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We praise and give honor and thanks.